0: Hello and welcome to Actuarial People, with myself, James Turner. I'm excited to be launching a brand new podcast where each week, I'll be speaking with the UK Actuary. My aim is to give you, the listener, greater insight into the people behind the profession and their personal career journeys. So we'll cover things like why and how they became an actuary, what they do on a day-to-day basis, how they balance work and study with life, any specialisms they've developed, and how their role has evolved over time. So whether you're an actuary yourself, or you're aspiring to become one in the future, welcome and enjoy. Please welcome to Actuarial People, Simon Harris. Hello James, thanks for having me on. My pleasure, how are you today?
1: Yeah, I'm very well, a bit bit hot, because I've cl- closed all the windows on a blazing hot day, but other than that, I, I am good. Glad it's Friday, that's for sure. How about
0: yourself? Uh, very similar. Um, we've got some roadworks going on outside, actually. So if any noises creep in, I'll try and deal with them later. And uh, yeah, not enjoying being blocked inside. Sorry to <laughs> get you to close the windows, but um, let's let's see how we get on. So, Simon, I'm very pleased to have you on the on the podcast because you started off as a. Traditional pensions, actually, and you've gone off and branched out into into a different direction, which we'll we'll come on to. Um, I wondered, for the benefit of the listeners, if you could just give a brief overview of who you are and what you do today, and then we'll go back right to the beginning and and explore your your journey and how you got here.
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm Simon Harris. I'm I work in, in internal audit in at Fidelity International. Um, I'm an associate director there, but my my main role is uh, kind of overseeing audits of Fidelity's uh, workplace investing business. So they provide various different products, um, which all define contribution type pension schemes, um, and I, I you know, oversee and, and deliver audits in respect of that side of the business. Uh, in addition, they've got two life insurance entities. Uh, they don't provide kind of traditional life insurance, as you might think about it, but they are more kind of conduits for the, the pensions business in a way. So we do audits of, of those entities too, looking at kind of the governance arrangements and uh, looking at things like their uh, capital adequacy and uh, how they comply with Solvency 2 and, and, and that sort of thing. Um and you know, various other bits and pieces are kind of associated with internal audit. I'm I'm kind of the model risk SME within the the audit team, Infidelity. Um yeah, and it's it's very kind of varied and interesting. Um as you say, it's, it's probably not a traditional path for a pensions actually to have gone down, but I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll get to that.
0: Yeah, sounds sounds really interesting and uh yeah, clearly very different to where you where you started. So I'll ask the same question I do every week, which is if you cast your mind back, can you remember where you were when you first discovered that Actuaries existed?
1: Uh I, I can actually. Um and yeah, actually very, very vividly I remember the, the conversation I had about it. But when I was I think when I was doing my GCSEs, um I was starting to think about what, what A-levels I might take. Um, and to be honest, I wasn't, I wasn't hugely academic at school, although I was very good at, at maths. Um, and I remember chatting to my maths teacher, um, a chap called Mr Norris. Um, and I, I, I remember having a conversation with him just saying, look, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about, you know, what to do for, a level, it's clearly going to be math space, but I'm also thinking about what what might be beyond that that I might be able to use maths for. And I think I posed the question to him, I don't want to be an accountant, because that that just sounds boring to me, but <laughs> are there any good jobs out there which might pay me a lot of money um where I could could use maths? Uh and he 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 immediately said, Oh, have you ever heard of of actuaries? And I said, you know, no, that's yeah, that's a word, literally a word I had not heard before at the yeah. tender age of fifteen or or sixteen. And he explained a little bit to me, saying you know, they they usually work in you know, with, with pensions, investments, and insurance. Uh, and he talked about how there was a lot of you kind know, of quite complicated maths involved in in the calculation of. Uh, of of different things associated with those those areas um and i thought actually that that does sound quite quite interesting it was very sounded like something i would want to kind of explore further so when i i I did do my levels i kind of always had that in the back of my head And, and when i started applying to universities um the only universities i ended up applying to were universities but at the time, and there was only six of them, um, I remember, that, that actually kind of offered uh, something which involved actuarial studies or, or actuarial science. Um, I was going to and-
0: ask that. Sorry, there's a delay on the line. But um, I was going to ask that because these days there are a lot of universities that offer actuarial science degrees, but you must have been one of or amongst the first to, to study it.
1: Yeah, I, I can't remember... I can't remember all of the universities, but that my, my top two choices were Swansea, which I ended up going to and Southampton, which offered something like maths and actuarial studies. And there were four others. And I think uh, like Harriet Watt in, in Edinburgh and think uh, a place, place in London, somewhere in Kent. I think there was one other, but I, I, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, I mean, from quite quite an early age, to so kind of come up to taking my GCSE exams. Like, I certainly had it in the forefront of my mind that that was kind of the direction I wanted to to go in.
0: Fantastic. So, so you 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 studied at uni, and then did you go straight into your actuarial job, or did you take a break?
1: Yeah. So, so what actually, what actually happened was, um, I think, certainly at the time you know you're encouraged to try and apply for like graduate programs and and things uh, before you'd finish your degree but what i wanted to do was get to the end of my degree and then kind of worry about anything job wise kind of after that yeah but but as it turned out i you know, i missed a lot of the, the graduate uh, graduate programs because of that but yeah you know, more for me um so i, I had a bit of kind of chill time over over that summer. And I, I think I went back to Sainsbury's to work for, for a few months. But after not having kind of much luck on the actuarial front, I ended up just uh, writing a series of letters to companies I knew local to me. So I, I, I am kind of born and bred uh, Reading. I was born there and I've kind of lived in and around there most of my life, actually, um, but I I decided to just write to any company that did something to do or employed employed actuaries, um, and there was actually quite a few at the time. And I'm trying to remember who they all were. Um, one was what is now XPS. Um, I think you know they've gone okay. through a series of. Of, of mergers, etc., and then now XPS. I can't remember what they were at the time.
0: Is it Affinity?
1: Yeah, it might have been Affinity. Um, there, there's Prudential there, um, who, who are now kind of M and G, but I still think that's one of their their brands. There was oh, this is this is taking me back. Uh, one was SBJ Benefit Consultants, which which ended up being my first job. Um, but I remember just firing all these letters off, literally kind of, uh, probably handwritten as well, um, just looking for, for work experience. Uh the the only one that came back to me was SBJ Benefit Consultants, um, and that you know, based in Reading, who said, Why don't you come in for three months um and yeah, you know, just to see what it's like. So brilliant. That was that was my first job. Um Anyway, during that three months i got to do just little bits and pieces associated with with different pension scheme valuations i got to um look at how pensions were administered uh, what kind of data you needed how you, you know, calculated define defined benefits um which was kind of a new concept to me um but also i got to do a bit of computer programming as well um but but you know such you know, as luck should have it, one of the actuarial analysts resigned whilst I was there, and they they just offered me a permanent job. So it actually worked out very well, and that was kind of my first step into the world, into the world of um, actuaries.
0: Okay, nice. So you did a bit of everything, and then this opportunity comes up. All of a sudden, you're an actuarial analyst. How, how was that? Had you already seen enough from your first few months to know what that entailed? Or was there another learning curve once you got the the permanent job?
1: Yeah, it, it, it was quite a learning curve. I mean, it's quite a lot to take in, because I don't think at the time, um, I thought, oh, I really want to work in pensions. Uh, I must admit, I, I didn't really understand them there. I mean, even the concept of defined benefit pension schemes was probably very alien to me when I first got in there because all I wanted to do was get a kind of foothold into that world. So there was an awful lot of just learning involved. And yeah, the first few months I was there, a lot of my learning was based around how these schemes were administered. So I ended up spending quite a lot of time with the administration teams there but actually that ended up being very helpful because you really got to connect to kind of what it meant to kind of you know real people and yeah these are real people's benefits when they retire and that was something that has kind of always stayed with me and has always been at the back of my mind in kind of whatever I've kind of done in my career as well because that's to me that's the bit that that, that really matters it's kind people and that kind of societal challenge around pensions and over the past i've been working in 20 21 years nearly now but you know the the whole industry has gone through a a great deal of, of change since you know i first started and that's what kind of keeps it interesting but i mean that's all part of the learning curve because there's so there's so much regulation um to do with pensions that it's it's just a absolute minefield and you know very few people probably know absolutely everything to to do with it but i i really i really enjoyed it there um there was a, a great set of people i got to work with it was quite a small company but i made some you know really good friends there and there's still a few people i i, I catch up with even now um just for the. A beer every few months so it was a really it had a really nice nice feel to it and i really enjoyed going to work every day and it was great because i could stay at mum and dad's house for a bit longer and not have to pay rent so that worked very well for me
0: <laughs> what, what was it that you have mentioned a few things that you enjoyed about it what was your sort of real motivation did it come from the expectations set by your managers or did it come from what you said about actually i'm helping people here and and i can make a difference or a combination of of both <laughs> Hi guys, we'll get straight back to the conversation in a second. Just a quick reminder that when I'm not recording podcasts, I specialise in helping pensions actuaries with their career moves, and I'd love to help you when the time comes to explore your options. I work with people at all levels, whether you have a couple of years' experience through to senior positions. My approach is different to most recruiters. I started my own business last year and work alone, which means I have zero pressure to hit targets and can just focus on giving the best possible help and advice. So whether you're thinking of making a move now, or would just like to understand your options for the future, please get in touch via LinkedIn, or email james at turnerperkins.com. Back to the show.
1: You know, it was a bit of both. I mean, um, I mean the thing I probably enjoyed the most about the work I was doing was that they, they had this in-house valuation system that one of the directors had, had made, and I think it was called. I think it was called Omega, but one of my old colleagues might correct me on that, but we shall see. Um, but it was all in, in, in Fortran, uh, which is very old looking programming language, but I used to love coding people's benefits and, and valuing them. Um, because yeah, I, I, I'm quite naturally a kind of shy, introverted person, and I'd, I'd quite happily go for hours without speaking to anyone. Uh, that That worked, Perfectly for me in terms of going into work and just trying to trying to solve a, a challenge, um, you know, via you know, programming and, and valuations, which, you know, in the world of pensions is you know, it, it's quite a quite a difficult thing to do. But I, I really used to enjoy that side of things and and getting to an outcome which eventually went into. You know, reports which went to trustees and, and sponsors of pension schemes but that that side of things I, I I certainly really enjoyed early on um I guess over time that that progressed to well you're doing all these numbers but you know the real role of an actuary is is taking the complex and trying to make that as, as simple as possible to people who are non-actuaries so that was that was a really big next step. Actually, going along to to meetings with the scheme actuary, for example, and actually occasionally presenting a little piece of, of what I've done. That that then made it all more more real, and the the dots started to join that that little bit more.
0: How did you find that when you were going to your first few meetings? Can you remember?
1: Yeah, really really nerve wracking. I'm not. I'm always a little bit anxious just meeting new people, but then when you've got a whole whole room of them and uh, you've been thrown in the deep end and you know, have to present even just a little piece of the meeting, that that's extremely nerve wracking. You know, not wanting to to fail the company. You know, a company I really enjoyed working for, and I wanted to you know, you know put my best foot forward and, and, and do my my best work there, but. It, it was very nerve wracking, but as with as with anything new, the more you do it, the easier easier it becomes. And as it turned out, it did get easier and easier. Um, and yeah, you know, presenting is actually something quite dare I say, it, kind of almost enjoy now um, to a room for the people.
0: Nice. And um, where did exams come in? Because I think you you sent me a bit of information beforehand and you qualified in 2013 so i don't know if you started the exams at the beginning or if you came onto them a bit later or what was your what was your path there
1: no i i did start them um quite early on not immediately i think i picked them up in uh 2003 so it took me about 10 years to qualify in the end um i was lucky enough to get a handful of exemptions from from Swansea initially, so I didn't have to take the the full suite of them. Um, that the, the first set of exams, um, which were oh, this is this is taking me back, but I I don't know what they're called now, but they were basically the
0: was it the CTS at the time or was it even the hundred series?
1: Oh, you know, it was the hundred series. Well done.
0: Well, <laughs> but
1: I think you know one one oh one to to one o nine they were very you know fundamental building blocks of of everything else you end up encountering in in the actuarial world um but actually, I remember racing through those because in part because i I'd done bits and pieces at university on all of them, and not enough to get me an exemption, but that of course made it that that'd be easier to pass yeah what what i did struggle with i guess was the the ones after that which which like in my first role it's all it's all fun and games you know playing playing with numbers and calculating things it's another thing kind of putting it all into practice and i think that's that's probably why i think most people on average you know anecdotally qualified you know, seven or eight years so i think that's in part why it took that just a a little bit longer um to to get through all my exams um not helped by the fact i i think i failed the final exam which was sa4 three times before i ended up passing it so it was it was a real slog but it's it, it's even now it still feels like one of my proudest achievements because remember after the third time of failing that final exam, thinking, do I do I bother with this anymore? Mm-hmm. Like, I just I just can't can't get to it. it. was it was so frustrating, but got there in the end, yeah 10 years, 10 years later, yeah, still an Hectory and yeah still still very proud of, of that achievement.
0: Did you did you know did you get a sense of why you failed or how close you were? Because I obviously I've not taken the exams myself, but I get the impression it's quite tricky and sometimes it came down to the the, the person marking it and what they had in mind and, and those kind of things.
1: Yeah, I, I remember I mean when I took the exams, I I don't know what happens now, but you never used to get a score on your exams, unless you'd failed and they, they then gave you a set of ranges of percentage points you failed by so you'd either have a pass or a p i remember you used to receive a, a letter through the post to say you've taken this exam and if i had a p next to it you're you know brilliant you passed it but they if you hadn't passed it you used to get an fa an fb fc fd fa you just you just just missed out and an fd it's like you probably shouldn't have bothered to bother <laughs> taking the exam <laughs> but I, I i got i got um the first time i tried it was an fb the second two attempts was an fa so i just missed out both times but i think the second time i missed out with an fa um I mean in the previous attempt I thought oh well, that's that's just down to just down to bad luck um but it happened, it happened again and I thought well you can't just can't just rely on luck so I ended up just changing my approach for the, the next exam and, and really whereas my my kind of way of studying is you know reading the notes over and over again I decided to change my focus to just Almost dismissing the notes because I'd worked in the industry for ten years. I'd done a lot of the things which you know, SA4, the the final pensions exam, uh, you know, suggested you needed to do um, a- as an actuary and, and serving clients. What I ne- really need to work on was just my my exam technique. So I just really, really focused on doing lots of past papers. I, did, I don't think I actually referred to the notes that, that final time and you know, call it luck or, or call, call it the change of direction, did it eventually pass it. So um, you like to put it down to the, the change of approach, but I think you can't just keep bashing your head against a, a brick wall and hoping for a different result.
0: Did, did it did it have any um immediate effect on your role once you were an actor did it change things overnight or what was the transition like
1: i I don't think it really changed my role as such but it, it it did change my mindset because it felt like it felt like I'd really got yeah the monkey off my back as it were um and it I started to think about almost just think about what do i want to do with my career so i started thinking about that rather than just you know, really focusing on my exams my my role at the time didn't didn't really change i was still supporting scheme actuaries and and corporate actuaries at the the firm i was at at the time which was was uh what's now
0: capita fine so you were uh, you qualified you started to think a bit more about your career in in context where did you go from there because obviously at some point you made the leap away from a traditional role into something else what did that look like how long did it take
1: yeah so I, I I qualified so I think it was what July 2013 and that was the point I thought okay what where do I where do I go from here so what I found over the next it ended up being the next year or so was, um, you know, there, there'd been a, a restructure at Capita and my role had moved from from Reading to to London. So I was now commuting into London um, and I was still, still living in, in Reading at the time. And actually, the journey into the office was probably two hours each way and if you're doing that, five times a week it, it it really did start to to grind me down a little bit I'll, I'll
0: admit no no remote working no flexible working
1: no none of that unfortunately
0: these were before the days of working from home <laughs>
1: no that's it um, I, and yeah it, it it seems very odd to even think about that now but, but yeah i was going into the the office five days a week uh on the train and of course yeah trains don't like to to run on time as we we all know uh in recent months right. uh, or run at all um and all the while i was kind of thinking about well what do i want to do next and clearly quite high on the agenda was well i don't want to commute into to london anymore to be honest i, I didn't know what i wanted to do next but i what i did know is that i I didn't want to go down the route of staying in consultancy um particularly going down the route of eventually becoming a a scheme actuary, um and i can't remember my reasons for that but there was a big part of me that just wanted a a change it must have taken close to close to a year in the end but what did come up was uh, an in-house pension risk role at Nationwide Building Society.
0: Were they looking for a pensions actuary or did you have to reshape yourself?
1: They, they were looking for a pensions actuary, so so that obviously played played into my favour. Um, I guess the, the, the challenge always is, how do you plug the gaps? And the way I plugged the gaps was quite a lot of reading and a phenomenal amount of research about One, you know, nationwide building society and really just understanding, you know, their business model, but also what would a pension risk team need to do on behalf of nationwide building society? So I had to learn about things like, you know, the the Basel 3 capital regime and you know the annual stress testing banks all have to go through. Yeah, you know, which was obviously born out of the the financial crisis in two thousand eight slash nine. So I really, I really dedicated a lot of effort to learning about those things to to plug those gaps in my knowledge. And yeah, you know, thankfully, uh, I, I I managed to, and they they, they offered me the job.
0: Um, so you changed jobs. Is the f- how how did you find it? was was your expectation of what it involved the same as as when you got there, or was there i'd imagine you got in and there's a whole new world of things that you hadn't experienced before that opened up yeah in
1: fact my first my first two weeks there uh was very odd because my 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 boss was on holiday for the the two weeks of which I arrived, so I was kind of left to my own devices a little bit <laughs> what ended up happening. Was um, I? I just try to use that time to go and and meet people. I would end up working with, and what you found within Nationwide, there was at the time, yeah, you know, uh, kind of three different pension teams. So you had the pension risk team, which which I was in, um, and they would they would face off to the the trustees of the the pension scheme, but also uh, do a lot of the kind of monitoring and and calculation of capital requirements in respect of their large defined benefit scheme so met those but there was also you know an in-house pensions administration team um which was you know quite quite large and there was a pension investment team as well who kind of worked on behalf of the trustees for certain parts of their their portfolio But so I really tried to use that time to to meet a couple of the other teams. But what ended up happening is I got roped into an exercise where the head of pensions um, wanted to put it to the nationwide board to up their pension contributions into their DC scheme. So whilst my boss was away, I kind of got roped into doing some of the calculations behind what this might cost over a few year period, which I don't think I'd really done. I mean, it, it's, it's not straightforward, but you, you, you learnt very quickly that there were so many kind of interconnected teams within nationwide and you had to talk to different, different finance teams and, um, get people to you know, check your numbers. There was a lot of rigor around, you know, things like controls and, and checks and balances, um, and obviously, putting together a presentation which would go to the board of the you know, the world's largest film society. So it was all very daunting, particularly as my my my, my boss was away for for two weeks. So I got kind of roped into that. But uh, yeah, that was it. Was definitely a big learning curve, but I, I I really enjoyed it at, at Nationwide. You you really got to learn about. know how a proper business works and it was just had such a diverse set of people that 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 worked there and and I don't think ever really gave it credit for how many different teams you would would touch with the work that you were doing as well
0: and you talked earlier about you loved at the beginning anyway you loved getting stuck in with 4chan and then you had to ease yourself into the more people element i imagine i may be wrong but I imagine working in house because of all the different teams you're interacting with and the different issues there must be quite a high element of communication how how did you find that
1: yeah, yeah. so so you yeah, know they had a very um rigid governance structure for, for all sorts of things um and uh there were all these different forums and committees for for different things um on the finance side you had you know, asset liability committee which would monitor things like like capital and you know cash expenditure all that sort of thing you'd have stress testing committees as well so we'd go through an annual stress testing exercise which all the kind of major banks have to and that was a really kind of grueling 3 month period of every year um and cuz yeah it's got a lot of attention from the bank of england and i guess everyone really cuz you know there was a lot of I don't, know, I don't know how well you kind of remember that time but there was a lot of just mistrust in the the banking industry um and i think actually just really having to kind of up your or the, the industry having to up their game and you being part of that as well so you you know our team would produce a lot of figures but it went they would go through an awful lot of rigor um through through different teams and, and different forums um and then, yeah that was that was really eye-opening but you did get an awful lot of kind of presentation experience that was for sure um and particularly you know, going back to that Actuaries mantra of you know trying to make the complicated simple. Um and this time, you know, we're, we're communicating to other actuaries, you're communicating to you know all sorts of people, you know, throughout the society. Um, and that was quite that was quite tough to do. But uh, again, you know, we really, really enjoyed it. Um just the sheer the sheer the volume of you know different groups of people you you got to interact with yeah really just kept it interesting all the time and yeah it's it's a role I really enjoyed.
0: So, so some people listening might be trying to get a sense of is it for them, and they might be thinking about what what what's the reality? Are there bits I might miss from being a traditional actuarial consultant versus working in house? Sometimes people think about things like work-life balance as well. Is it different in house? Is it? Is it less hours? Is it actually busier at times? How how would you say the two compare and what, what things should people take into consideration if they're thinking about going in house?
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily less hours or or, or a better work life balance. Um I, I would say, you know, about nationwide is that they, they do have a really good set of, of values and they really do kind of embody that kind of that, that well that external view you see from them you, you really felt that kind of there uh, it was a very kind of supportive environment um anyone could speak up if, if someone was struggling you know they they wouldn't keep it to themselves they would you know bring, bring it to the fore and you know we would solve the the issues together um i yeah i wouldn't say it's you know, less or more hours what I did like about it, though, was there was no timesheets to fill out. Um, so no billing, no billing of clients, no recording you know, the work you're doing in a system. You just knew what you needed to, to do, and you did it. Um, but There was just such a wide variety of, of tasks you got involved with.
0: Okay. So it sounds as like, though um, we're coming on to your, your next move, but, I mean, we used to speak I don't know if we agreed how many years ago it was 10 12 years ago um, and we've only spoken once since then so what was going on in your personal life I had a quick look at the info you sent and there's a mention of archery on there yeah. there's weightlifting. lifting um, what what was yeah how, did you have to sort of balance work with life or have you always kept the two separate and what stage were you at at that point
1: yeah well, so when I joined Nationwide I think I was when did I join? I think I joined in 2014, so I would have been single at that point.
0: Still at your parents' house, or had you moved?
1: Uh, no, I, I had, I had moved, um, but I, I, yeah, I was single. I think about a year later, so 2015, I met my now partner, who've been with for, for eight years. So um, one of the yeah, one of the good things about Nationwide is that they. They sort of allowed you to work quite flexibly if you you needed to. Occasionally, you could work at home, be in the office most of the time. Um, so you, you could manage different things yeah. around that. Um, but yeah, bit of bit of weightlifting before my body gave up on me um, <laughs> after a few really bad deadlifts. Oh no! Um, used to used to like row as well. Um, and yeah, try and qualify for Henley each year as part of Reading Rowing Club. Well, so yeah, the, the operative word being try and never, never quite get there. It wasn't that good, but there's a really good social side to, 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 to all of that. But It was quite, it was quite grueling. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, met, met my partner and yeah, just got to, you know, balance, balance that and yeah, all, all the other things that I like to do, um, Outside of work, anyway, but uh, yeah, not. I, I, I prefer to watch the sport now rather than take part in it. But that's because I'm getting pretty old.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, thanks for talking us through that. So, what did you do next? I think we're up to your your current role. Yeah.
1: So, um, so I was, I was at Nationwide for about five years, and to be honest, I wasn't really wasn't really looking. For a new role but I got contacted by a a recruiter about an internal audit role um, at Fidelity and I don't think at any stage during my career I would ever thought oh I really want to move into internal audit um, but you know he, he put it in front of me And I I read it and I thought, actually, that that does sound quite interesting. And and the reason it sounded quite interesting, I think, over the kind of five years I was at Nationwide, I got really, really interested in in two things, really. So one was, I guess, the concept of of risk management um, and how a business manages risk. Obviously, I was in pension risk but because of your interaction with with everyone else within the society who, who was a, a risk team you you've got a real feel for you know, what happened in in other areas as well and i always found that just really stimulating and, and, and fascinating just you know, the concept of managing different risks um so, so i really enjoyed that the, the other side of things, and it's something I probably grew into whilst I was at nationwide was whilst my whilst the main part of my role was to do with the defined benefit scheme there and, and everything that went with it a, a role that I got more and more involved uh, with was being on the governance committee, excuse me for our defined contribution scheme. So we had about 18,000 people who would use the scheme for, for their pension. But the things we used to do on that side of things was around just trying to engage people with that pension because, as yeah, as you tend to find, there's an awful lot of apathy associated with pensions and, and people, you know, not wanting to generalise, but the majority of people would probably only start caring in the run-up to retirement be that 10 years but for a 25 year old who's being paid paid into some account they're not going to be able to access until they're probably 70 odd uh, by the time they get there um it, it it's it's
0: and this is normal people we're talking about it always surprises me when I'm talking to pensions actuaries, and I'm asking them, what are your current contribution levels, and they have no idea, they have to go away and look it up. So if a <laughs> pensions actually is not even thinking about their own, I'm sure there are lots of exceptions, but it's pretty normal. And <laughs> if you're not an actuary to just leave it to one side, not even think about it.
1: Yeah, and it, it, it was incredible. So we, we used to do a lot of work around kind of, you know, in- engaging people and getting people to understand if they put in money now, what that might mean in in the future, and it's easier said than done. But I really enjoyed thinking about the best way of doing that. So I, I guess taking those two things, uh, the yeah the risk management side, and I guess the yeah you know, almost thinking about the the customer a lot more people who use defined contribution pensions for uh, you know for their future retirement, um, this internal audit role came up and it, it felt like an opportunity to do two of those things, albeit from a a third-line perspective. So but I guess for listeners who don't know exactly what internal audit is, um, a lot of financial businesses um operate themselves into you might have heard something like the three lines of defense model you've got the the first line who are managing risks day to day you've got the second line who provide oversight of the the third line first line and third line which is internal audit provides independent assurance over the risk management activities of those those first two lines so they're actually independent of any business line and that's what allows them to provide that 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 assurance because they take an independent look at what you know different business areas are are doing so this role was put in front of me um and after i thought about it a lot more it kind of combined you know my you know, my my love of risk management, um, an opportunity to, I guess, think about things from a customer's point of view as well. And what I mean by that is whenever I'm doing an audit, what I like to try and do is put myself into the customer's shoes and think about risk from, from that perspective. Because from there, you can think about, all the other different risks which which might impact a particular area basically coming back to how how might this affect the customer how might this do wrong to the customer
0: yeah. which is one of the things you loved about your first job
1: yeah yeah, yeah it, 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 exactly that um and i guess the other thing was again it was it was an opportunity to you know combine things i knew about which you know, was pensions and risk management with things I perhaps knew less about, which was internal audit and and working for an asset manager as well, so it gave me a, an opportunity to you know combine those two things again, and just kind of build build upon you know knowledge and and experience I built up over at the time, you know kind of fifth four, nineteen years, no, seventeen years, bad maths. 17 years experience um and yeah th- um this is this is where i am am now but it's been uh yeah an interesting journey to hear that's for sure
0: do you to what extent do you feel like you're using your actuarial skills presumably quite a lot and presumably that's still a big part of how you solve problems and approach things
1: actually i would probably say it's it's fairly muted in comparison so okay This role, I don't do an awful lot with, with numbers. Um, That's because the nature of some of the audits, um, sometimes they're very operational. So you're looking at how a particular team might process uh, contributions received from employers and and making sure they are doing that in, in the right way at the right time. Um, it could be you're looking at uh, it, the governance of one of the, the the life companies. So what's the quality of the minute taking like? Um, do they have an appropriate decision-making framework? And when they do make decisions, are they following that framework? Uh, so it, it's things like that, but it's it's so broad and wide-ranging and, occasionally do do audits of the numbers so but it's so it's so wide and varied it's not not necessarily kind of utilizing actuarial skills um but I don't always see that as a bad thing because I've always thought that any kind of education and and job you have is sort of a a means to an end for the future so whilst I'm not really doing actuarial work now, and um, all the kind of experiences and I've kind of gained up until this point, is helping to kind of serve me in what I'm doing now, even though that is it it's really different to what I used to do if I think back twenty years um and yeah the, the contrast you know the fact we're talking about it now and I'm really starting to kind of think about that contrast it couldn't it couldn't be a lot more different. Um, from that, you know, that twenty-one, twenty-two-year-old kid that used to do coding in Fortran, to you know, d- doing doing audits of the the senior managers' certification regime in Fidelity, it's it's yeah, real real chalk and cheese stuff at times. But that's that's what I relish. I I, I like doing new things. I like challenging myself um even if it at times has really pushed myself like well outside my comfort zone but that's what that's what really keeps me going at work um i, I really enjoy doing different things um and just you know taking that step into the the unknown
0: do do you do you, do you have friends or do you keep in touch with people who perhaps started as an actuarial analyst at the same time as you but they've stayed on that path and then sort of look at where you've gone, where they've gone, and what what do you think when you compare the two?
1: Yeah, it's funny actually because I caught up with um, uh, a, a few a few friends I used to work with in my second job, uh, which was just after SBJ. Although it kind of it was bluefin capita at the time, but uh, one one chap similar age to me, um, he he's a scheme actuary now, and he he recently moved to. XPS away from capita, so he he's actually kind of stayed on that traditional route. But you kind of it we we did discuss it. it. It's very it's very odd how I'm doing what I'm doing now, and he's doing what he's doing now as well. And it's just really interesting just that that divergence and the reasons for that. Um, but again you know it what i'm doing now is a far cry from what i would be doing if i'd kind of stayed on that path you know, and, and working towards being a scheme actually but but that that yeah that's what i i, re- I really enjoy you know, hearing other people's stories and how they kind of ended up you know where they've ended up Um everyone's got their own kind of individual path and I always find it yeah, you know, just really thought-provoking to to listen to.
0: So I'm going to ask you three three questions I'm asking these questions to to everyone and one of them in particular your your answer might be a, a, a bit more unique compared to some of the the other people I'll be speaking to just because of the direction you've gone in um, but the first one is what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out their career now as a pensions actuary?
1: Yeah I, I think I think if I look at my career and and the things that have I, I guess kind of gotten me to the next level is I, I, I would try and absorb as much as you, you can and take as many opportunities as you can, because you don't know, um, what that might lead to. Um, my, my old boss at Nationwide used to talk about, you know, joining the dots and talked about collecting as many dots as you can. And then, at some point, those dots might look like a a picture. but you don't know what that will be, but if you don't collect the dots, you will never see the picture. okay um, so it's kind of try and try and do as much as you can because you don't know where that might lead. and I think you know, with all the opportunities i I had got at nationwide, they all ended up combining into experiences which I use in my current role.
0: So this is the question. I'm, I'm, yeah. Go go in any direction you, you'd like to with this one. But how do you see the role of the UK pensions actuary evolving over time?
1: No, no, it's a good question, and and I can understand why you said that might be unique to me. But I'll answer it as best as I can. Um, so I always think that the pension, the UK pensions actuary really has to evolve in line with what's happening in, in the industry. What's happening in the industry is the fine benefit schemes are, you know, eventually they'll all run off, they will. My view is they'll all end up either being bought out or they'll end up in the PPF. There won't be too many of them which will just run off naturally. Um, and I think as a pensions actuary, there's a real responsibility there to, you know, almost if you stand back and look at the kind of societal what's happening society you've got to evolve with what's happening there because what's happening right now is you know more and more defined contribution schemes are becoming more mature and more people's pension benefits will end up in those schemes um but i think you know there's a real real responsibility on actuaries to actually help help those help people who are Going to end up being, you know, in however many years' time, the main part of their retirement is going to be in defined contribution. And with all the investment risk and all the rest of it sits on the people and, and not companies anymore. And yeah, you know, I talked about it before. One of my kind of great passions is you know engaging people with what that means. I think actuaries need to, you know, just stand back, acknowledge. That this is the journey, kind of society's on, and evolve in line with that, and and that that will mean that will mean different things to different people. And um, there's so many different things. Even as a, you know, a pensions actuary, you can be involved in. There's a, a surprising amount of kind of diversity out there, and what what different people do. I think, yeah, that that won't be. You know uk pensions actually must must work for you know an insurance company for example it could mean a great a great different number of things but um i think that role will will evolve over time it it, it has to because one day there won't be defined benefit pension schemes and it will be defined contribution or collected defined contribution or or something else but whatever that is yeah we've got to evolve in line with it
0: thank you and uh my my final question um is what are you looking forward to over the next 12 months and maybe one example in work and one outside of work
1: uh yeah it, it in work is just you know carry on doing what i'm doing um the thing with you know doing audits you're doing very different things every few months so i know kind of what's coming around the corner um so just keep keep doing what I'm doing and, and enjoying that. Outside of work, I've um, got a couple of staycations planned. Um, we don't go abroad as much anymore. We've got two two dogs, and we we try and do as much with them as we can. So we're off to off to Somerset next month for a a week, uh, hopefully in glorious weather as well. And then it's September. We're off to off to Wales uh, in the middle of nowhere away from people and laptops and you know just just let the dogs run riot so yeah that's that's kind of the main things and yeah spending time with 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 family family and friends
0: fantastic simon well thank you so much for 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 your time um, if people are listening to this and they want to sort of reach out ask a few questions around any of the 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 roles you've had are you happy for them to drop you a message on linkedin or or what's the best way for them to contact you
1: yeah linkedin's probably the best thing uh best way to contact me very happy for for anyone to reach out and send me a message or or connect with me I, i don't post very much on there i'm definitely more of a lurker though and i'm probably on it multiple times a day um but yeah very happy for anyone to, to reach out if they want to ask any questions at all but.
0: well thank you so much I feel like I've got very little editing to do as well because for someone who describes himself as introverted and, and that kind of stuff you could not have explained <laughs> things any more clearly it's been so engaging um I'm sure everyone would have gained so much insight into um the three different uh sections of your career and uh thanks so much for for being a guest on actuarial people I well, know
1: thank you for having me on've I've really enjoyed it it's 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 always nice to just have the opportunity to to have a just reflect on my career so far and, and talk about it openly but yeah, yeah if anyone's got any questions um I am really happy to be reached out to uh, hopefully easy enough to find on on LinkedIn but yeah thank you again James I really enjoyed that
0: thanks Simon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Actuarial People. Please don't forget to subscribe and consider leaving a review. If you have any questions or feedback or any suggestions for future guests, please contact me on info at actuarialpeople.com. This podcast is sponsored by my recruitment company, Turner Perkins, and you can contact me there at james.turner at turnerperkins.com. Hope to see you again.